welcome back, people of the audio um, universe that listen yeah, to us. The audio <laughs> listening world. Yes. You could say. The this, podcast listening world. Oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're exclusively on podcasts right now. Maybe, maybe we might do some video in the future. I, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but we are here again for another episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. I am Stephen Billings, and as as always, uh, my uh, my friend from the north, uh, Andrew Cabral. What are you doing, man? How you doing? I- I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I can't believe we're back already. Can't believe we are back already from that monster episode that we did last time. God, I'm still t- I'm still tired us, from that. Yeah, I don't think either of us expected um, that that would go that long. It's I, well, crazy, I mean, crazy I always long. expect because we're, we can. You can get long-winded. You're pretty long-winded. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm way too long-winded. I gotta, I gotta tone it down. I can't. I can't Sometimes you get I caught up why, in man. certain things, and uh, and uh, yeah, but I got too much to say. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with to that. Say it's it. good for podcasts when you have stuff to say. That's the point. But very true. I, I guess I got tired faster than you did because I was getting tired. Yeah, you were kind of f- kind of fading towards the end, or even halfway. Yeah. I mean, we don't typically go that long. I mean, typically we're about at an hour and fifteen minutes. That's about our normal. Yeah, that length. is a typical episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Yeah. Um, this uh, before we get into our main topic this time, which we're doing a brand new spotlight because we haven't done one in it's been, quite a it's while. It's been a couple months. Yeah, it's been, yeah because we usually do try to do one a month, but we got caught up with all kinds of other stuff in February. February is also like a shorter month. By a couple of days, uh, this year was extended by an extra well, day we, because we got of caught up. Year. We got caught up all in the Academy Awards stuff. Yes, and, uh, yes, we did all that uh, best of the year stuff, and that, yes. that, that, that we, we were busy at the beginning of the year. But uh, you know, now we're we're gonna we're gonna bring back spotlight. And before we do, uh, we got we got at least one news topic we want to bring up. Yes, I mean, kind of a big big news big when it comes to the movie world. Um, a kind of, I guess you could say, legendary, legendary. legendary um, I mean, he probably has so many different, so many different titles. But James Lipton, James Lipton, who was the uh, host of Inside the Actor Studio, uh, passed away. Unfortunately, yeah. passed away at the at the the age of nineteen of ninety three, which is um, older than either Stephen yeah, or we, I thought he was. Yeah, I, I, if you'd asked me, I'd have th- I would have said maybe like eighty early eighties at the most. But he, because I mean, though though he. You know, obviously older man when he did a show, but you know he, he always seemed so like those he he talks very eloquently and I know I slow. wish I had it, I, I didn't I think he was that old though I, he was like in his seventies when we were watching yeah, him. I, I wish I had his relaxed candor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he was like that in life or if that was just something he did on his on inside the actor's studio. But I wish I was that mellow and calm. I'm always yeah. so. So damn nervous all I the love freaking time. Will Ferrell's uh, parody of him on uh, oh, yes. SNL. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah. Just uh, he was born in uh, on September nineteenth, nineteen twenty six, and passed away March second, twenty twenty. And like I said, ninety three years old. He was a host, writer, teacher, actor, producer, lyricist, um, creator, and host of Inside the Actor Studio. Um, really just, uh, if you've never seen Inside the Actor Studio, it's a fascinating, just candid look at, like, people in the movie industry, and him just interviewing them with us. He had a certain, like, set of he had certain like, questions, life questions he'd always ask them at the end of each episode, but typically the ep- the show is, is 
talking with an actor or a director about their filmography, um, you know, kind of highlighting their their career and and um, you know just celebrating that person. Um, yeah, and, he had hosted yeah. for twenty four years. Yeah, and he had stepped down in September of two thousand and eighteen. Now Stephen had mentioned that he passed away. Uh, from uh, bladder cancer. Now, yeah. whether he was battling that at the time, I'm not quite sure, or whether this was a recent thing that he was battling, but um, sadly, he did pass away from cancer, which tends to get a lot of tends people, to get most both of us. young and old. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, really, it has no, it has no uh, preference when it comes to age. Yeah. I mean, I had it when I was three years old. Uh, younger people than I had it, older people than I had yeah. it, teenagers, you know, men, women. It just it's 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 everywhere. Yeah. Um, but speaking of what's everywhere, quickly something that's I guess kind of ties into when we did our, our, our pre our, the episode we did right before this was the one where we did all the movie releases in the in the theaters this year. One has already been moved. It's been two weeks. One's already been moved. Yeah. And that would be James Bond: No Time to Die, which was coming out. I in guess April. you decided you wanted to talk about moved this. Moved to November. Nope. You know what, Stephen? I decided. To, <laughs> I decided to make this transition on a whim. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 he brought this up before, and I was like, "Hey, we could make an episode talking." At, but now he's know. decided. I he just, to bring... I just want to mention it because it ties into our previous episode. I know I'm going rogue. Wow, just, he's. You know what? Let me just rebel. leave. Let, let me just let. Yeah, this yeah. Be get your out of here. Stephen. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even I'm need just, you. I don't give a shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, it got moved to November. They say due to the uh, coronavirus I mean, coronavirus outbreak. Who knows if anyone's listening to this episode in a year, two years, three years, if they didn't even know what coronavirus is, who knows sure. what's going to happen with it. But that's kind of fascinating to me because I've never seen a virus or a, a, a pandemic or an outbreak well, of I mean, a disease or whatever. Of course, move, in our, in our lifetime, like we've only had one other thing close to this that which was SARS that it was in like early 2000s yeah we had we also but, had like but, the H1N1 virus uh, thing that came out a few years ago Ebola was a big one well the, yeah but they never really hit this scale I mean like you had some not here not well, yeah here. well in the sense of uh, the globally like the, right. the the scale of this particular virus is is hitting all over the globe um and you know we, we've had uh, you you could say that there's you know it's definitely life threatening but it seems that it's primarily life threatening to el- people that are not already not in great shape themselves mm-hmm. uh, if you're elderly or you're you know maybe very young children yeah if you but, have some type of underlying conditions yeah that it, that it particularly attacks specifically your respiratory vulnerable. system um, um and we're starting to see it affect a lot of different avenues in life. Uh, the sporting world is canceling all kind of games, all kind of things. Yeah, it's good. you get maybe concerts, you know, concerts like are going to be prob- industry, canceled. You know. I mean, comic cons have already um, there's already mass cancellations for comic cons, um, things like that. Um, I think, and DC, then I think I think people does, in general are going to feel persuaded to stay at home more. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how this affects the box office. Yeah. I mean, as we're talking about movies, because you know people are not going to want to go to the movies. Because of this, you know, the fear, fear is always the great, a great uh, driver in terms of people's actions. And, and fear can always grow whether it's um, necessary or not. Necessary. Hey, this sounds like it could have been an interesting episode. It by does itself. sound like but let, right yeah, but now that we're talking a, about it. Yeah, let's put a pin. <laughs> See, this is uh, why I try a, to get us to do an episode. But now you had to just jump in with this. Yeah, topic. Shit. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Um, but yeah, let's put a pin on this. But I, it's fascinating. One, they also said because like Bond belongs in November as well. 
it does but, typically come out yeah. near the end of like Thanksgiving time, but um, right. but yeah, I mean, I, I also think they need a few more months to really polish this movie off. That, it may that be, was what maybe, I thought, already maybe, thought. Maybe it'll be to its benefit, but you know, Probably. I don't know that this will be the first movie this this happens to. Yeah, I mean, they said that Mu, uh, Mulan was already going to be having some type of uh, trouble. Yeah. Um, because it was filmed in China, it's probably going to show in China. Probably yeah. going to make a lot of money in China if you know all things were okay. But sure. they obviously aren't. But transitioning from that to over to our main topic, which is a spotlight, we are going to be spotlighting a movie called Five Easy Pieces, which came out in 1970, directed by Bob Rafelson, starring Jack Nicholson and Karen Black. Originally, Stephen had wanted to go with another movie. <laughs> Uh, he wanted to go with uh, El Topo, which was um, okay. Look, I swing Alejandro for the you know me. I, I, I swing for the fences. I he hadn't swung seen hard. That. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't swing. Look, I hadn't seen the movie either. Okay, but yeah, I know I it's it. it's kind of a, a a very popular cult movie. Yes, and I was like, is. look, this will be cool. And and I was I was searching for movies uh, at their fiftieth anniversary because also I I didn't say this is our fiftieth episode. Oh yes, this is it our fiftieth ep- episode. I was like, hey, fifty. We'll do a 50th anniversary movie, so ni- nice and crisp on 1970. Um, and I was looking through the movies, and I looked. I was like, "Oh, El to- I've heard about this. I've wanted to check it out." Um, I'm about to get that big box set from um, the Arrow. The Arrow. Yeah, one? the Arrow set from uh, um, Jodorowsky. Is how you yeah. say his name? I mean, some uh, people call him Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky depending on your pronunciation. But uh, I'm about to get Jodorowsky. that set also, so I'm about to dive into him soon. Um, yeah, the what I know about Yodorowsky is that I watched the Dune documentary a few years ago, Yodorowsky's uh-huh. Dune, where he was going to make Dune. It was going to be the most ambitious movie of its time. Yeah. It was before Star Wars. But then David Lynch did sci- it. So. Sci-fi thing. And then like it just fell apart. He couldn't get funding for it because nobody would take the risk on it. Yeah. He had so many wild, ambitious things, but he's a wild filmmaker. And I didn't think I had enough time to prepare myself to watch it's the okay. movie well, and try well, to interpret it because well, these movies are nuts. <laughs> no, no, no. See, let me go ahead and say this before we get we get into it. Like we're we're I, I, as I promised in some episodes back, we're gonna try to do some more ambitious topics, some more right. ambitious films. Part of that is is that we're gonna try to be a little bit more. Uh, we're gonna plan a little bit more ahead. Typically, with these topics, we're pl- we're we're giving ourselves a week. Um, pretty much, pretty per, much. Sometimes even less than that because we're we're very busy outside of this. Um, but I want to. We're gonna probably have a meeting and 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 try to set up as many episodes in advance as we can. We feel comfortable so that we can we can research these topics to give you a better episodes. Right. I, I wanna, because we yeah we are flying by the seat of our pants most of the time and kind of making shit up as we go along, as the Indiana Jones model is. So I think we'll we'll definitely be planning these out more concretely yeah. so we can prepare for them better. Yeah, we want to give you better episodes and and also. It, it, for our own personal, you know, selves, you know, research and, and it educates ourselves better. You know, like I, right. I, part of the reason I wanted to do this show was to, to delve into things I hadn't seen before. And not only are we helping you discover something new, but in the process we're do, we're discovering new things ourselves. So it's, it's a full on cinema discovery project. It's from both sides. You know, this is, we're not, we're not teachers, Sometimes we might teach you something that you might not know, but we're not trying to perceive ourselves as teachers. So we just want to learn with you guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to try some more ambitious stuff this year. Um, we hope you will keep riding along with us. Tell some friends. I guess before we start it, let me go ahead and say, hey, if you haven't already, go to the Apple Podcast. Give us a rating. 
give us a, a comment. Uh, you could also go to Podbean, do that there. We would really like to hear from you guys to see how we can improve the show if we need to. Um, we just need to hear from you. So without further ado, let's get into our spotlight. Yeah, Five Easy Pieces, which is a a film that I hadn't discovered until I actually started collecting Criterions. Yeah. One of the first box sets I ever bought from Criterion at one of the Barnes & Noble Criterion sales, I think I bought it, or actually, I think I bought it beforehand. I may have bought this like a year or so beforehand, was the BBS uh, box set, or America Lost and Found, the BBS story, which yeah. contains uh, Head, Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Drive He Said, A Safe Place, The Last Picture Show, and The King of Marvin Gardens. And I had no idea what these movies were. I kind yeah. of, I knew Easy Rider, like I had heard of Easy Rider, yeah. you know, because cause I, I had, just you know, just heard about it, but these movies are all pretty much gems, in my opinion. Um, but Five Easy Pieces is interesting because it's an early film that stars Jack Nicholson before you know people really knew who Jack Nicholson was. Sure, this was before uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, before he was in Terms of Endearment, before he was in Batman, before he was in really any Shining, of his marquee movies. Know, yeah. Yeah, Chinatown, Chinatown. Chinatown. You know, this was a very interesting movie, and and what is so fascinating about this movie and all of these movies and the BBS itself is it, it is there's so much context that you need to kind of appreciate these films and appreciate Five Easy Pieces as well. The BBS was basically kind of this independent, you know, production film company that was started by uh, uh you know Bob Rafel Bob Rafelson as well as I think Bert Root Roos was his name. And basically they they were born out of, you know, the collapse of the old studio system in the sixties, where, you know, all the old giants, you know, the big moguls, you know, had passed away and like the companies were being bought up by, you know, um uh, the, the studios were being bought up by giant corporations and stuff yeah. like that. So now you had the you had uh, all of these you know different um, ind- small independent you know almost you know grindhouse. That's when the grindhouse movies came out, the B movies, the drive-in movies, all that kind of stuff. You know Roger Corman and all that kind oh, yeah. of stuff. Coincidentally, I was going to say uh, Corman directed Nicholson not too long before yeah, this. In, I think in The Raven, which was 1963, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I and just yes, re- I just recently watched it. it. It's it it's so funny seeing him. Yeah, uh, Vincent Price. Um, was it? It's the guy that played Frankenstein. Um, oh my goodness. Um, uh, Lon, uh, uh, Don uh, uh, Chaney. No, not Lon Chaney. Uh, Lon, Lon Chaney, but um, uh, but him. it's uh, yeah, not Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi played a. Uh, um, Vincent, oh, Peter Laurie was Peter, in the film. Yeah, Peter Laurie's in the film too. This is uh, a, oh, talking this Boris is, Karloff. This, Boris yeah, Karloff. yeah, that's yeah. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Uh, yeah. Peter Laurie's like near the end of his life in this movie. He dies like a year later. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we're, but we are talking nineteen sixty-three. Yeah, yeah, and you remember uh, he but, was in that movie M from like the twenties. <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, and and um, what is interesting is a lot of the actors and directors, producers, writers started off in that late, that mid to late sixties era of independent cinema. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson, like we said, was in there as well. Vincent Price was in all kinds of those movies. That's kind of where Vincent Price became Vincent Price. He was in all these, these uh, you know, AIP, Roger Corman, like um, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, oh, I just, essentially. I just watched six <laughs> of these movies. Oh, damn. Let's see what you did. There, I, I have that set, that box set from Arrow, that gothic, oh. the gothic stories. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's a whole episode in and of itself. Dude, I, I, 
calm down. You're like ruining like five episodes in one. Like, <laughs> oh shit, I'm having, I'm having a rare night. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so a lot of that came out of that. So these were these films were all really um, unique, and Dive yeah. Easy Pieces is unique as well. And the reason, and what's so interesting about it is, it's it's such a a raw film. It's it's a film that's not romanticizing life or anything like that yeah. it's such a movie that feels like from that era well, it's, it's it this... feels like it's the, it's a movie that feels like it's in the moment yes. um and, and it very much um it's very much just character driven this is this is not a movie that's story driven no. um it's it's not complex it's just very much about um the the journey of this one man who is ba- basically trying to not have responsibility of anything. <laughs> He's just yeah. You know. It's an existential journey with yeah. Jack Nicholson's character, who um, is his name is uh, his name is Robert Eroica Dupee. I think his name that is. sounds like a white name. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, they call him Bob in the movie. Like yeah, nobody yeah. calls That's him easier. Robert. Yeah, they call him Bob. But um, when we when, when the movie first opens is, you know, we see him, he's working, like, on the oil field or working construction. Something it looked like, it looked like an oil field, yeah. Yeah, it was an oil field. I saw yeah. the, the drums and whatnot. And yeah. he's, he's working there, and you, you it, what's so fascinating is when it opens, you get this, it, you don't really understand who this character is. You think, for the first, I would say, third of this movie, or even half, you think one thing about this character, and then you learn so much more about him that makes him the way he is. Yeah. Um. He. Yeah. He. He. He works in oil field in California with his friend Elton, and uh-huh. and his friend Elton has like a wife and a baby son, but Bobby has a girlfriend, and she's played by Karen Black Rayette. And the way in which Karen Black plays this character, uh, she's very. Uh, Stephen, how would you classify her? Um, uh, ditzy. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of. You know she's she's yeah, she she's yeah. very she's she's very lovable. She she wants to be she she wants she's very loyal to to our main character Bob, but he obviously is not as in in, in love as she is. No, he's yeah, not even close. <laughs> no, not even close. Yeah, and you get that right away. Yeah. <laughs> Almost to the, the way... in a sense you kind of yeah. feel like she's just annoying. Like, like, like you can kind of understand why he might not like her because she's kind of like, she just doesn't stop. Like, but then yeah, there's, mo- then, but there are moments where it seems like he, he's like, he's enjoying his time. Specifically. He does care for her. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's interesting because he almost keeps her around because not that she's that, um, like, well, the thing uh, is, this like, is the con- thing. like out of convenience for him or something. Well, like no, no, that. no. I, I think, I think. As and you, and you see this as the as he, we get further into the movie, but I think he he he's already decided he doesn't want to be with her, but he continues to treat her bad because he's trying to make her make the choice to leave. But yeah, he's trying he, to push her away. He's trying to push constantly. her away, and and he because he, he doesn't he knows that if he breaks it off, it's going to destroy her. He wants yeah. her to make their decision. So in a sense, he's he's actually being very sensitive. Because he doesn't want to hurt her. I guess in his own weird way. In his own way, but at the same time, he's torturing her. Constantly, and it's small things like you know, one of the early scenes right at the beginning is they are they go bowling with Elton and his wife, and he's just like 
making fun of her. Well, the she whole sucks time. at bowling. She's not good at bowling, <laughs> and he's just like, oh yeah, you know, uh, there, there's another gutter ball and all this kind of stuff, and you know, and she's just she's really bad at bowling. She's just trying to have fun. But she's just trying to have fun. He's like he wants to guess, win. Cares wants to win, and of course, Elton and his wife are so much better, and. It's weird because they're almost the polar opposites of each other. Yeah. The couples are. You know, uh, uh, Elton and his wife are married, have a child. Uh, Bobby and Ray- Ray- Rayette are not married, don't have a child. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't, and what is interesting is that I guess you kind of can see why throughout this movie is that Bobby has a lot of commitment problems. When it comes to just life in general, yeah, he's, not necessarily he, yeah, romantic yeah. relationships. You don't really realize it until later is, is, is how bad it is until later. Yeah, it's but, yeah. Re- yeah, it becomes more apparent as this film goes along. Yeah. And but but while he's at the the, the bowling alley, um, these two women basically try to pick him up yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and it's and of course he loves it. He seems to be a man who loves attention or loves to be. Um, um, I would say positively perceived, pursued, uh, appreciated, you know what I mean? Likes to have his ego, you know, uh, lifted, if you will. And and what is interesting is that um, he he, ini- what, he initially, he plays into it. He just plays sure. into it like a ladies' man. And, you, and that's just where you start to see that, yeah, he's not a committed person. You know, re- he's not really a committed person. But he does leave the bowling alley, and then he goes and he sees... And he goes to see Rayette, who's in the car, and she doesn't want to hang out with with the family or anything like that. But I think they end up doing it anyways. And and you just see that she's kind of, um, it, you you can also see how the culture at that point is kind of consumed by television, uh, because the, you know uh, Elton's wife when she's watching TV, she's just glued to the TV. Yeah. She can't take her eyes off it. and tv at that point only been around for what less than 20 years yeah so tv is still relatively new for people and it's and even though like by modern standards by you know us watching it you know it, it can't be anything ra- too interesting but to, de- to them to that generation it's brand new you know what i mean yeah. and it's just it's just it's how people are with iphones right now yeah it's basically yeah. how any new with tech comes out general, now yeah people go bananas for it um but we all but we see that um, even El- even the way he treats his friend Elton is also like really bad as well. He he doesn't treat people well in well, he, this he, movie he, at he, all. Yeah, he he treats their opinions like they don't matter um, when they give advice. Like Elton, there's a scene later on where Elton tries to talk to him about you know his relationship and things, and says you know you know talks about having kids and how it can be great, and and then he just kind of tells him. To shut up, basically, like no, yeah, but he just says, like, you know, he basically says, shut that the he, fuck up, like you're no, yeah, but he says that his friend basically has a shitty life, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and I would like if I ever have that life, like I, w- I would hate myself a lot, yeah, like I, he basically says he's better than him because yeah. he doesn't have his friend's life. Yeah. That's a pretty shitty thing to say to a quote unquote friend, yeah. Um, and what is interesting is that what is also fascinating is that um, those two women from the um, Bowling alley re, uh, re, reemerge. They reemerge in in kind of a a weird like post sex romp funny scene. Yeah, Stephen, you know what I'm talking about? Where yeah, they're where they're sitting there, like, they're on underwear. the couch and they're in. They're basically in their bra and panties and. And I'm pretty sure they all... probably like smoked some weed or something. Yeah, or yeah. 
or whatnot, and they're all just like hanging out. And what is fascinating about the first part of this film is it's so jumbled in the way it's edited. Not like the scenes, like like the way they they transition from one to another. You're just seeing kind of like 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 moments. It's in frag- fragmented life. moments. It's very fragmented moments. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm kind of jumping around because the movie really doesn't settle down until you get to the second half of the film. Until you get to really the heart of the movie. So he has to leave and go see his his family. He does yeah. at one point, but he but before then he he uh, we find out that Rayette is 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 possibly pregnant or she's pregnant. Uh, we also get a great scene where um, he and his friend are driving back from uh, uh, from uh, from work. <clears throat> Lose my voice here. They're driving back from work and um, there's traffic and he gets out of the oh, car yeah. and he just starts going crazy. Well, yeah, you see yeah, yeah. how unhinged he is as a person. Yeah, he, he he doesn't like standing still for too long. That's what the idea of that scene is, is. He doesn't like standing still for too long. And then and in the back of this truck, he sees this old piano, and he jumps up on, in the back of the truck and starts playing it. And as the finally the traffic starts flowing away and, and the truck's going in a different direction, he doesn't care. He's like, I'll no. go wherever the where the music sends me. I don't care. You know? what, what is interesting to me is that you know he's playing the piano mockingly, like yeah. he's just like banging on the keys, just not yelling nonsense, singing nonsense. Um, and what you find out later in the film is that he's actually like a classical trained. Oh pianist. yeah, he's very accomplished. Yeah, and he's actually like like probably was probably like a child prodigy because he like learned when he was a child. Um, and now he's just he just doesn't care about any of that. He's such a he's seemingly such a a repressed nihilist, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem to care about anything, but everything he... But he does, but he just represses all of it. He just pushes it all down until he, it he, he cares out. a lot for things, but he doesn't know what to do with them feelings. Because no. he, he doesn't like to commit to anything. Even his own responsibilities that he creates for himself, like his his talent for, for the piano, he, he doesn't even want to claim that responsibility. No, he doesn't even think he's any good. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a yeah. scene later on we'll get to where he just he plays this, this wonderful one, like what we perceive as fantastic, yeah, and, yeah. and what like another character perceives as fantastic, just gorgeous. And he's like, yeah, I, I did it better when I was like eight years old. I'm garbage now, yeah. you know. By comparison, that sense of self-loathing is very, very real. This idea of even if something you you is good perceived by others, you hate it. And it, this film has a lot of that in it. Yeah. Um, but getting back to kind of the main story, so Rayette thinks she's pregnant. That's when he talks with his friend, and then his friend ends up getting arrested, Elton, because apparently he he robbed a gas station. Like, a well, yeah, year he ago. was accused of something, and then I guess maybe that they they got evidence on him, possibly. So yeah, then they he, start trying to arrest him, and and you know it's one of them things where you know that Bob, you don't like him. But then he shows certain elements of being, like, having noble elements about him where he goes back and tries to help his friend. He starts fighting these guys. He doesn't even know who they are. No, and they turn out to be, like, you know, police officers. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. The same friend that he basically said that he's better than he tried, he, like, punched out a cop for, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, so his friend Elton gets arrested, um, is and he just he goes and visits his sister, who's, I believe she's doing some type of uh, piano like commercial piano usage or something um, in Los Angeles. And that's when he finds out that his father is not doing well. Yeah. And that his father, basically, 
the, the his sister takes care of him, and um, there's a live-in nurse, and there's uh, his, his brother Carl. Um, apparently, his brother Carl was a a really gifted uh, violinist, and apparently, like a year or so ago, he got in a car accident and strained his neck, so he can no longer play the violin because he can't, you know, yeah. have his neck in that position. And so he's taking up piano, and he's got a new piano teacher. Um, he's got a well piano instructor, and and um, she, uh, yeah, and so she lives there as well. But we'll get to her soon because she plays a big role in the second half of this movie. Um, what is, so he decides that he's going to basically he quit his job, just flats out says I don't need this this garbage this job anymore. Yeah. He quits his job. He's gonna leave. Rayette there to not and and like I'll be back in a couple of weeks and she's like crying and beside herself and and basically he feels like this is again what we were saying before he feels bad for her and decides that he's going he just said he's about to leave he's like halfway out the door and he goes back and he's and he said he says do you want to come with me (laughs) and and then and then the scene cuts to the next scene of them in the car together yeah, and she's all happy now because she got. What well, she everything wanted. everything he does when it comes to her, I mean, comes to most things, it's reactionary to his guilt. You know, he it's not about him wanting to do something; it's about him not wanting to feel guilty for not doing something. Right. So that it's once again, he doesn't want to even take responsibility for the bad things that he does. He just he, what, he wants it, to try to avoid bad things as much as he can. And even beforehand, we see a scene where he cheats on her again. Oh, yeah, He cheats yeah. on her twice. Well, technically, well, I mean, we'll get to it three times in this movie. Yeah. So he's not exactly a faithful person. So we have to ask ourselves, like, you know, what keeps him, like you said, what keeps him beholden to her? And I guess you say it's just that, you know, I think he's just feeling the, bad, it's emotional the guilt. attachment. He doesn't want to. Guilt, yeah. He doesn't want um, to uh, have to have that laid on him. So. The, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and... Famously, one of the actresses that is in the movie, not really famously, but she's in the movie, is Sally Struthers, who would famously, like in the 1970s, be on this, the you know all-time sitcom All in the Family. Yeah. And this was an early role for her, and then she went on to all, kind, all kinds of advocacy work and all, and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, he decides to go up there, and he's got to go to um, his family home on on an island in Puget Sound. And Stephen, I don't know if you uh, have taken geography. <laughs> it's in it's a, it's a it's in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. So in that geographical area, um, it's in I think probably, state of Washington. Probably, I was going to say Washington. close to probably in Seattle area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got to drive from California all the way up to Washington, and it seems like a long drive. But along the way, they pick up two hitchhikers. Oh Jesus! And these hitchhikers, um, they were in an you, accident, and somehow the car got—I I don't know how the car got in the way. It's like up on a mountain, slot sideways. If it was turned the other way, it would have made more sense to me. It was, yeah. It's like on a like on a slant, like where the a, tires are up, up the mountain. I don't yeah. know how it got in that position. I don't know how they drove off the road like that. They go like up the mountain and they crash. I think back they down. tried to drive up the mountain <laughs> sideways and it just didn't work out. That's I don't know. They have to explain that one to me in a commentary or something because. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, and these two and these two uh, women, um, could you say that they are kind of they're not really hippies, but man, they are they are interesting. They're kind of like him. 
they're 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 like they're kind of like Bob very... in a way, in the sense that they seem like they're nomadish. Yeah, uh, where they where they have their 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 convey they, they're obviously a little bit maybe a little political, like you said, a little bit more like maybe hippies types possibly, but they're definitely um nomad kind of nomad. They seem to be like hitchhiking and and going places. They don't live anywhere. They're just kind of like riding by the seat of their pants. Um, they're like, oh, we'll go to Seattle, sure. <laughs> but not only that, but they're heading up to Alaska. Yeah, they're going to Alaska, yeah. Because I, this idea, I guess, like new opportunity in Alaska and all that Well, they said it's, it's, the, it's clean there. Cleaner there because they have this thing with filth. Like yeah. just, the world just filled with filth. Like literal filth, like theoretical filth, like just, just filth everywhere. And they just keep bringing this point back up over and over again. And it's just a montage of, of, of one of them just talking about it constantly. And, and Bobby just can't take it. He's just so almost annoyed by it um but what is a, a scene that a lot of people talk about is there's a scene at a diner where they stop oh i love and, the scene yeah. and the scene is is they stop for breakfast i think and yeah. he's and he's ordering something and for some reason he wants toast and they they won't give it to him like they like it doesn't <laughs> like the meal doesn't come with toast or something like that and you can only get i guess what is what the menu gives you yeah and he's like well I mean, you have bread, and you can toast it. So just give me toast, and 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 then the he even like, offers no, no, he even no offers to buy a sandwich that yes. costs more than what toast should cost. So just make that sandwich, and then but hold everything that's between the sandwich, and just give me the damn the toast. Yeah, it's a ch- it's a chicken sandwich, and it's yeah. just like hold the lettuce, hold the tomato, hold the mayo, and then hold the chicken, and just get and give and. Give me the toast, and they just won't do it. And he just freaks out. He freaks out. He wipes the table. He just he just slaps everything <laughs> off the table, and they get so, kicked so, out. So, what do you think that this this particular scene is trying to to talk about here? Um, if I had to guess, it seems like I don't know this idea of the maybe. Uh, I, I would say I would say my head. I was gonna say you know maybe it's yeah it's maybe it's talking about how he, he feels as he feels like he can he he doesn't like the structures of society yeah you know like you know it's say, talking yeah. about the structures of society you know how things have to be a certain way um, they have their roles for this sandwich that he feel just like he feels like the roles of society are unnecessary or the way that people live life in the way they, they do is unnecessary and that you should just be able to do what you want all the time. Well, if he, you know. I mean, I guess we, we could say that perhaps he personifies the free spirit of free thinking. Yeah. You know, free living. Now, obviously, kind of- now obviously the, the, the whole situation's ridiculous because, that, I mean, it's stupid. Like, just give him fucking yeah, toast. Yeah, but it's, it's purposely done. But it's purposely, I mean, but there, it's, there it's there almost satirical restor- in a way. Yeah. yeah, there are restaurants who, that do that. Though. Sure, they, sure. They won't let you modify anything. They won't let you. You can't substitute, substitute anything. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and but but this is done in a specific way because they wouldn't put this in the movie without it having some type of meaning. And I think exactly what you mean. What you mean is that Bobby hates living in in a box. He hates living yeah. by a certain structure, by a certain code, by a certain rubric in which his life would be, you know, uh, shackled down but, or imprisoned by. But funny and, enough, he 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 goes about it until he he knows he can't win. Right. Because she's not going to give in. 
he goes about it in a very brilliant way, which I thought was hilarious. Like he literally, it's 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 funny. It's one of them things you, you expect from a Jack Nicholson. You know, this is like a prototypical Jack Nicholson. Let me just like try to talk you at it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you. The chicken sandwich. You need just hold the chicken, hold the lettuce, hold the tomato. Like just <laughs> like he goes about it very smart, like, and then suddenly he just goes off on her, like. Fuck it, well, you know, like... Well, I mean, oh, Bob Ravelson specifically talks about the scene and how uh, audiences loved it yeah. and how, how people would then go and, like, do and that... And do this at, shit, yeah. ...at restaurants and whatnot, and he would go and he would do that, and then, like, the waiter or whatever would be like, oh, you're doing that from that movie, aren't you? I think that's and then been Bob parried. Would be like, it. I directed that movie. I was gonna say, I think that that's <laughs> been parried... Now that I've seen it, I think that that's been parried in other movies. Or, like... You know, like I've heard it somewhere now that I think about it. Um, people saying oh, hold sense. this or hold yeah. that, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's probably, you know, been been done before. Because like, if people did it in real life, someone put it in, again in a yeah, movie. Yeah, I'm saying I somebody mean, a lot of stuff made fun of it in another movie, yeah. Uh, but like you were saying, him not living a certain structure and him trying to manipulate his way out of it. Yeah. And when he can't, he just blows up. Yeah. That seems to be his MO. He just leaves. He just, he just, leaves. He just, he just leaves. leaves the situation. Well, I mean, I guess, which is what I he mean, does the whole movie. You, I mean, you know. they, they pretty much, I mean, they get kicked out obviously, but, oh, yeah. and then like, and then it cuts to them in the car and the, you know, the women, uh, one of the, they love the women that yeah. they picked up with just love it because in a way they're, they're kind of, like you said, they're like him. They're, they're free. They're free. They're nomadic. They're, you know, talking about all kind of like political type things. But thing is, he, all of his stuff is all internal. Well, he's, their stuff is external. They're, like they're, they're talking about. Yeah. They're aggressive it. about their opinions. Yeah. He's passive aggressive. He doesn't want Very to deal passive. with any, he doesn't want to deal with anything. So he's, he's like, they're like the one side of the coin of him, you know? And yeah, you know. Yeah, they're the they're they're almost they're not yin yang, but they're like two sides of the same coin. If yeah. that makes sense, and and he basically just tells them to like shut up. And then, yeah, yeah. And then and then he, I think they they end up just parting ways at some point. But when they get up there, when they get close to his his family home, um, he decides to leave Rayette at a motel. And just says, and she's just like, oh, he's just like, he's like, I gotta go up there and check it out first. Yeah, my father's sick. They're not expecting you. I mean, later on, you pretty much find out that he's embarrassed by her. Sadly. Yeah, of course. I mean, (laughs) but he knows he's about to step back into a world that is much different than the world that he currently lives in. Yeah. And you see how different it is almost right away. You know, he drives up there and you see that. The the home is large, you yeah. know what I mean. It's it, it, it's like on it's like a, a like a a a lakeside estate, if you will. It's he comes from wealth. I think this is the kind of the first time in the movie where you're like where you see almost a character's backstory. Yeah, where he's. It's this like, is where the switch happens. Where you this kinda, is where the switch happens kinda, in the movie. You, now you really start to understand how much he doesn't he runs away from things. He ran away from his past. You you get you get more of the information about how he is this accomplished pianist and um you know how he he had chances to to have a very successful life. Um Yeah, and he he's a the reason why he's going is he's estranged from his father yeah. who he hasn't seen or talked to in I believe several years. Yeah. They mentioned that at a dinner scene. 
but he get he gets there and his sister is there and his brother Carl is there and there's also a another character Catherine Van Oost who's a young pian young pianist instructor who is also engaged to his brother Carl yeah which and she and he's immediately taken with her yeah immediately almost instantly but when he sees his father we learn that his father is kind of just um uh, um, he's wheelchair bound. He's mute. He's hand- yeah, 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 he's he's kind of like uh, like a, he, he can't talk or anything like that. He can't really move or anything like that. He can't really really communicate through blinking. He's in a pretty pretty dire state, and and he, of course he doesn't know that. He didn't know that. So when he gets it, he's like, you know, I came all this way and he can't, I can't even talk to him yeah. or anything like that. So in, in his mind, he can't even. At this point, he can't even reconcile with his father in a, in a significant way that that he probably wanted to. Um, but but as I was saying, the Catherine Van Oost character, who's portrayed by um, who is she portrayed by? Who is she portrayed by? Uh, Susan Anspach. Uh, that's the actress's name. Um, it's and she is interesting because I I what's so fascinating about her is she's so the opposite of him in every way she's she's timid she's intellectual she's um he's soft-spoken stuff like that he's very aggressive like you said and he it's almost as if he's attracted to her because she's everything he's not perhaps it's something that he wants to be but he can't quite bring himself to be there to, to get to that point um and and what and they they end up having this kind of interesting relationship um where uh it, it's they have arguments but they also like sleep together at one point um and yeah it's almost like it's almost like he's trying to find somebody that can not only um make him feel good about himself but also keep him in is smart enough to keep him in line uh i i you know like i don't, but i don't know i he, I guess we don't. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, by the end of this, I guess that wasn't even good enough either. Um, no, you know, and um, and what is and they they do have a a a confrontation, not even a confrontation, but like a a final um, discussion, if you will, later on later on in the movie. But while he's while he's up there, you, you you see him try to get reimmersed back into his old life. You see him like even like small stuff, like the way he dresses is different. He's yeah. no longer like dressing like he was dressing when he was living uh, in his other life in California. He's back to dressing in proper clothes. I guess trying to like fit in, and even and he even tries to kind of you know you know talk and act. Uh, differently than he was talking and acting before because he's he's back in this kind of you know upper class society world where like you know there's pian- like there's like grand pianos and they listen and they don't you know they there's not a television in that house i don't yeah. think you never see one yeah. i don't even think there's a radio in there like it's an old 
like intellectual style of like living yeah. that that you, you wouldn't expect from this character that we just saw in the first half of the film be you know uh somebody who gets drunk or somebody who you know is uh you know cheats on his girlfriend yeah. and all that kind of stuff you don't expect that from the, someone coming out of this world but it kind of goes back to that diner scene Stephen, where like he you can kind of understand now why he 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 left this world because it's too constraining yeah like he can't he can't live within these within these rules yeah this whole movie is not only about him you know running away from responsibility but it's it, it is definitely an identity movie it's a, mo- a film about identity him not knowing you know what kind of person he wants to be um i got that exact same feeling yeah i it, thought it's it's such an existential film um where he 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 runs away from that other world that we saw him in back to his old world and he doesn't even fit in Wait, there every, he both, doesn't know both, where in both he worlds fits he in. feels like he has to put on some kind of costume to live in it you know he doesn't yeah. you know he he's not being his true self in both worlds um you know there yeah and there are some there are some really good scenes in in here um specifically i mean before we get to like the major major scene which this film i think is really well known for i mean there's there's great scenes between him and his sister. You see that kind of family bond that he had with his sister, even with his brother Carl, who is kind of like a goofy guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's really like little like, nutty. You know, he, he's yeah. kind of a little nut. Like when they're playing um, ping pong. Yeah, yeah. And he and he's just he's just destroying him in ping pong. Bobby yeah. is, and but, but he doesn't care. Just like his brother's like, hey, you want to go again? It's like, oh, I beat you three times in a row already. But he's, <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, fourth time, why not? He just and he like he's chasing the ball when it goes flying, and he just seems like he's loving it. And it doesn't look like a bad life, you know. what I mean that he that he ran away from. You know, he, obviously, you know, the, there's the safety, security, the luxury of wealth. I mean, you know, there's a, there are family members that clearly care about you. I mean, we never really quite know what his relationship was with his father that caused the rift. Was his father a strict disciplinarian or something like that? Maybe, maybe he, he, there was expectations, probably. Expectations that he couldn't, that he felt he couldn't live up to or that he didn't want to live up to. Yeah. I mean, that would lead us to believe that he, um, that's why he left. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, kind of like the black sheep of the family. And I mean, that what's kind of great about this film is that it makes you uh, have to think about all those things that the film doesn't tell you. Yeah. The film just gives you like little clues and little insights into the into his backstory and into his life. And you kind of have to like fill in the gaps for yourself. Yeah, there's there's a difference with good writing. There is a difference between, you know, bad writing that doesn't get you know, that doesn't really uh, give you enough context and, you know, subtle like subtle things that can give you context clues to what could possibly be going. You know, sometimes movies leave out things for a reason, and you can fill it in with your imagination. But it's about choosing which things to not put in. Um, that's important, you know. Um, and bad writing decides to leave out things that is typically something we would probably like to know. Um, not only that, but the film doesn't spoof feed anything to no, you no. like there's no exposition scene there's no flashback scene no. that shows you things he didn't have um, an argument with somebody explaining why he was you know uh left home you know he you know we just have to kind of by their actions how they treat each other and that we we, we derive stuff and you know and that's what makes movies like this great to discuss 
because yeah. you, we all have our different takes on it. What we think yeah, the, might have been the reason something happened or why he chose to do certain things. And the writer of the screenplay was Carol Eastman and along with Bob Ravelson who worked on the story. But she wrote several movies um, with Jack Nicholson as well. I think like uh-huh. three or four movies that also featured Jack Nicholson as well. And um, yeah, she was nominated for one Oscar and I believe it was for Five Easy Pieces yeah. uh, shared with uh, Bob Ravelson, of course. Um the um so what what also ends up happening is that is after he gets you know incrementally closer to um to this to the Catherine um of course Karen Black returns she's yeah. run out of money and run out of she's been to do gone she's been left at that motel for two weeks yeah and uh, now, now she decides to just find him and come up there herself well she just shows up yeah she just, she just shows up randomly and then <laughs> you just see her like at the dinner table just like. Just talking, just yeah, like she's definitely, and it's like definitely out of you, her element. You could tell she's out of her element, and it becomes more apparent um, because the um, Catherine, uh, Catherine and Bobby, like they meet like um, like on the road because Catherine's going to pick up like like uh, friends of hers and Carl's for dinner or whatnot, and then and uh, Bobby's in the other car going the opposite direction, and after that, the people that she brings there are. The snootiest, <laughs> snootiest, most pretentious intellectual people you've ever wanted to see, <laughs> and they're purposely, I think, portrayed. I think this, the per, they're purposely portrayed as that because it just shows, you know, it just shows how how out of touch Bobby is with this world, and because he knows these people, yeah. he he doesn't know them personally, but he knows these type it's, of people. He's like, these are the people that made me want to leave in the first place. Yeah, it's like, yeah. and he tells them, and he finally. And because Karen Black is so bored, uh, you know, Rayette is so bored, she just, like, starts saying stuff, like, just starts being herself. And he, she just starts saying, oh, is there a TV to watch? Is You know, yeah. she just goes off about a, a, a pet cat that she had and whatnot. And the woman just start, doesn't start patronizing her, but just starts like, oh, isn't that, you know, that's Basically, silly or whatnot. treating her like she's, like, some adorable pet. Yeah. Like, like oh, look at, per- look at that person trying to think. Oh. Yeah, like, not a real person. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah, yeah. and 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 he and, recognizes it and, and defends her. Yeah, because he yeah, because he knows the way these people are. Yeah, and 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 this is and he just like starts perspirating her. This woman just starts yelling at her, saying like, you know, you're full of shit and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And he starts kind of throwing a temper tantrum, and he ends up just like I think this is the scene where is this where he walks in on his on his sister? With yeah, the sister's guy? getting a ma- massage with the the nurse who yeah. like or I, the, well the earlier in the pong, earlier the, the ping, ping pong scene. Yeah, yeah she's like, do you think about. he's attractive? You think and he's, he's attractive? just like, uh, I think he has a great personality. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> And uh, yeah. to be honest, this guy's not very attractive, but you know, I I mean, every, t- t- I mean, everyone has their own taste. Sure, sure, but this dude looked. This guy wasn't very attractive. Look, I'm a guy. I like women, but if if I was into a dude's, it, this guy wouldn't be it. <laughs> well, everyone, like I said, everyone, everybody's has their got own their own taste. taste. Uh, yeah, everyone has yeah. their own <laughs> uh, specific taste and whatnot. Um, what is? Uh, and so he starts freaking out. He's trying. He starts trying to fight him. Of course, he's just getting his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he just gets him in a headlock and he can't move. Yeah. Well, then I, I kind of, I, I do appreciate it because, um, you know, the guy could have, guy could have probably messed him up. And instead, sure. he just tried to like, like uh, get him to calm submit down. him. Yeah, yeah. Submit him, like puts him in like an overhead headlock, like kind of like, kind of like chokes him out almost, and he passes out, and and he's like, and then he just comes to, and it's. Just, 
it, and the the scene changes from there. Yeah. Um. It's uh, and then I think right. This, I think I think the next. Are we, are we at that scene yet? I think we I think the... we're basically. I mean, like there there's some other scenes before it, but like the, the the real next big scene is where he has his the talk with his father. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he wheels his father out to like. Um, lakeside like or something like lakeside field or something and he just decides to basically have a very um heartfelt teary um uh not even confession just like a cathartic release at least that's the way i i yeah. i kind of saw it yeah i mean he, he 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 i think he feels comfortable doing it because he knows that his father can't respond you know, he didn't have to have an argument with somebody. But I also, but I believe before the scene is when he has the final confrontation with Catherine. Am uh-huh. I right about it? I, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm, and I yeah. think that's what prompts him to finally confront his father and yeah. then and then leaves. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the Catherine scene is kind of important because I think it prompts him to see his father, um, to make, to like, have this final confrontation with his father. Um, basically, he wants her to come away with him and, and she doesn't. She just, denies him yeah because she's smart <laughs> yeah <laughs> because she basically says that he's a mess of a person yeah he doesn't love himself and he doesn't love anything he's he's he has no no real goals aspirations no real sense of identity he's he's just i mean he's I a lost person he's a lost person kind of kind of nothing you know he's like tears and rain i mean just quote uh blade runner essentially <laughs> he's just you know just of course there. you would. Of course I would. I quote it. I quote it every day. Um, <laughs> and this is when he decides to talk to his father. He just—it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, fantastic scene. Really, you know, this is when we see Jack Nicholson's. This acting is that. Prowess. This is that scene in yeah. a movie where you're like, and the Oscar goes to. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the movie was nominated for four Oscars, yeah. and I believe one of them was. He was nominated. Uh, was for Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Karen Black was also a, a nominated for Best Supporting as well. That's like the Marissa Tomei nomination. Oh come from on, my cousin, Stephen, You know where she's Marissa like, oh, the, hey, yeah, you, yeah, you're very annoying. You know. Like. Oh, she was amazing in that movie. Don't mind yourself. <laughs> no, I love, I love Marissa Tomei in that movie. I know, I love my cousin Vinny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. It's a great scene where he just breaks down and just, he just, he just, he's just a sad person who, living a sad, lonely life. And yeah. it, it's a great scene, and um. And what's his name? Um, Bob Rafelson talked about this in the special features where Jack like didn't even didn't he he didn't want to do that scene or that scene hadn't been written yet. And Bob Rafelson basically convinced him to to write that scene, convinced mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson to do that scene where Ra- where Rafelson I think just stood there with like a boom mic mm-hmm. and he just like looked away just so that just so that, like Jack wouldn't see him or be self conscious about somebody watching him, and he. And then Jack did the scene, and 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 then Jack goes, you know, did I get it? And no, no, no. Jack stopped talking. Then Bob goes, Jack, are you done? And and Jack's like, and then Jack Nicholson's like, what? You didn't even see it? How do you know if I was any good? And it's <laughs> like, it's like he just, and just Bob Rafelson just knew it was good because he because he heard it. And he and and Rafelson said that you know that that scene always made him always makes him emotional when he when he has to when he watches it. Yeah. Uh, Bob Rafelson is actually still still with us i mean he hasn't directed a, a feature film since 2002 but he's still around um i had no idea who bob rafelson was until i watched these movies until i watched yeah. the bbs story there's a great 
like 46 minute documentary on the five easy pieces uh, Blu-ray from Criterion. That's just the BBS story. Tells you all the stuff you need to know about the BBS and, and Bob Rafelson and Jack and all that kind of stuff. But we'll get to, we're getting to the very end of this movie because after this, um, Jack leaves. He said, "I mean, well, they, they him yeah. and, and the girl Rian leave, um, and they stop at a gas station. Um, and you know, you can tell he's he's contemplating something. You know, you, you don't know what it is yet, but." I kind of had it. I, I kinda, don't even think he knew. I don't, I, even I don't he know. Knew. He didn't really know either. But he was. He just didn't know. He, you can tell he's lost. You know, he doesn't know what he wants to do. So she goes in. She's going to get some some drinks or snacks or whatever. And he gets out and or go to the bathroom. Whatever. Goes to the bathroom and just there's this scene where he just sits there for a couple minutes, just looking at himself in the mirror, um, just trying to think about what. You, I mean, I kind of I kind of saw it coming. I was like, he's going to leave. He's going to leave her. Yeah, yeah, what what we didn't say is that this was Steven's first time watching this movie. Yeah, this was my first time watching it. And and I just in this scene I was like, he's gonna leave this he's gonna leave her here. I know he is. I thought he might have done it earlier, but I was like, he's gonna leave he's gonna leave her. And uh so he goes back out and uh there's a truck driver who's about to pull away and he asked if he can go with him and you know, he 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 gave Ray her his ID and money and left the car with her. So she's she's not gonna be left by the side of the road or anything. Yeah, how symbolic is that, though, that he gave her his wallet with all of his money and yeah. his identification, literally pretty much abandoning, abandoning his identity. His again. identity. And, and he's, he's now going to go start over again somewhere. Yeah, I believe this is like, it's a giant logging truck, so I think it's yeah. heading to Alaska or someplace. He said where they're going is really cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be careful. So maybe he's gonna Alaska. go to Alaska with the with the other girl, women. I mean, perhaps. <laughs> but I mean, like he says, like, oh, you don't have a jacket, and he's like, no, that's all I got. And all he's got is like a like a a wool turtleneck. It's gonna yeah. be so damn cold. Yeah. I think about that every time I watch this movie. But he, you know, he pulls away. He pulls away, and the camera pans up to a uh, massive wide shot of just the gas station that they were stopped at, and the credits start rolling, and you see Ray yet like. You looking for him, walk by. She's looking for him, and then that's it. That's the Truck way the movie pulls ends. away. He's gone. Yeah. Um, you want to hear something interesting? No, I don't. Uh, I don't want to uh, ever hear anything interesting. Go ahead. The, uh, yeah, the original ending that was in the original screenplay was very, very different. She he shoots her in the face with a gun. No, it's close though. Oh, okay. it's close. He kills it's himself. Not, it's not that. Um, there is death in it though. What happens? I I actually just. Just watch this on the special features, and I'm probably going to screw it up. But they get in a, um, in a, in a car accident, uh-huh. and the car goes. I think it's not a tar pit or like a like a like the water or something. I forgot what it was, but they it falls into something, and she ends up getting out. Uh, she ends up esca- like you know escaping and, and and getting out of it, and he he stays under, and then she goes. She says something oh, like. Bob, you son of a bitch, or something like that, because she, because he leaves her, you know, by death. Yeah. And Bob Rafelson didn't like that, and because it, it, it reminded him too much of like, um, like suicide. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Bob's char- like Bobby's character was. Committing- he's too arrogant to kill kill himself. Yeah, like he's too <laughs> arrogant to, ki- even if it's like accidental suicide, like that would, yeah, which yeah. would be like a car accident or something like that. That would be perceived as that. So. Uh, Bob Ravelson rewrote the ending to the one we have, and the, the ending of the one we have is is, you know, so so I think, sad. I, I think you know it's I mean? better. It's definitely way better, and it's more. It fits in more with the themes of the movie. 
Yeah, like uh, the 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 death would be you know pretty fine. It would be dramatic. Yeah, it would be dramatic, almost too dramatic. It would be, for yeah, movie, it would be, it would be such too subtleties in it. erratic for the how the rest of the movie was. Yeah, I mean, the movie does have some brashness to it, does have some aggressiveness to it, but it's a movie that I think has a lot more subtlety than than we may. We got, you got to think to be. We got to think about the context of the time period. Yeah. I mean, like that in this time period, as you said at the beginning, you know, this is the '60s going into the '70s. Um, you know, we have a lot of this kind of. Um, uh, hippie culture uh, movies like like Easy Rider about kind of drifting, kind of yeah. being free spirits, Rebelli- rebellion. Free spirit. um, um, so it fits in with that time period and about how you know he's going to go off and uh, as a free spirit going off and starting starting over again. You know, um, it'd be interesting to see a remake of this movie today. No, really. You know, which is funny enough because you know, don't now, don't judge me, but okay. I was, but I was watching Doctor Phil, and there was right funny enough. Uh, bef- this was I just came up after we'd already decided to do this movie, but there was a particular episode where this kid who decided who came from a good family. It's funny because mm-hmm. it parallels the movie. Came from a good family, decided to leave that that life behind. Uh, you know, he was going to be a doctor, blah blah blah. He decided to go be homeless in California. Oh, and you know, you know, I'm not going to go. There was a whole episode about him trying to get help for mental illness, but I, you know, I don't. But still, the mirroring of that would be an interesting story for, you know, present well, day it, story. You know, it reminds me of I don't know if you had to read this book I, in high school. I know I did, but Into the Wild. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 With, uh, Jack London, which, based on a true story by Chris McCandless, who, you know, uh, college graduate. You know he. He basically burned all of his money, burned his I, his ID, and yeah, just yeah, went yeah. And lived in the woods in Alaska. He ended up dying, unfortunately. Spoiler alert. I mean, but um, uh, it was a movie that came out what, like 10 years ago, uh, a long time ago. Oh, it's been a while, yeah. Yeah, like 13 years ago. I think 2007 Into the Wild came out with Emile Hirsch was as Chris McCandless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hal Holbrook was in the movie. I For think, some reason, uh, I thought you said The Call of the Wild. That's why I said Jack Lennon. No, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. They both have have to do with people living in the woods. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, 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 yeah. yeah. Into the Wild was the one, yeah, yeah, with uh, Sean Penn directed it. Yes, Sean Penn directed it. What's yeah. the name? Uh, Eddie Vedder did the music for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. from uh, um, Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's I, about, about I a guy that go, decides yet. to leave everything behind and go lives in a bus in the woods. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I had to read that, and I read that in, like, sophomore year of high school. I remember that. I think I still have the book somewhere, but it just, like, the stories are, are rather similar where, you know, like just escape, like completely cutting off, and and going to reestablish yourself. Yeah. To re reinvent yourself or to re to try to find purpose yourself. in 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 you know solitude in the world. You know, just yeah. try to see if they can find their place. It that movie particularly has a has kind of a cynical ending. Um, yeah. I would say um, compared, you know, I mean, they're both kind of cynical endings. You could say. Um, because they don't end with anybody finding enlightenment, um, no. n- necessarily. That's the you know what's fascinating. What, what's what's yeah. That's another thing I love about Five Easy Pieces is that it's one of those movies that doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it is like a very, said, very cynical, cynical ending. Yeah, but it, which is completely different than the films at the time or the films that were like from the time before this film was made yeah the 60s the 50s where you had the Hayes code where like the good guys always had to win there had to be a moral like yeah. positive story and you know whatever you know this was movies that is just so 
so polar opposite of what Hollywood had had been previously. Well, movies, you know movies, I mean? movies in the seventies were trying to trying a lot harder to reflect real life. They were um, they were dark, gritty, ugly, cynical. They were misogynistic. They were yeah. aggressive. They were political. I mean, it's a fascinating decade. It's a very ugly decade of movies yeah. from like like a negative perspective, if you will. Sure. Um, well, in, in 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 you know hindsight, you know definitely a lot of um, problematic things about that time period of movies, but that's part of what you know makes history history. You know, like you right, learn, right. we learn from it, um, and you know, doesn't mean we should dis- disregard it. Because no. though there's some well, I didn't problem- say that. I, I wasn't. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying I'm just you saying said that. That's what I'm just, they are. I'm not you know saying you mean? said that. I'm, I'm saying right. that that's how a lot of people think these days. Perceived, yeah. We should, we should, like, we should, you know, um, negate things that have problematic problems with them. We should, we should forget about, we should, you know, discard them, burn them, you know. Um, I, I think it's better to learn why they're problematic. Yeah. You know, how did this become this way? And how can we not make it this we, way again? We can't learn from things by getting rid of them. Right. We have to by remember the mistakes them. we've made from our past in art also. Not just in life, but in art. Art can be reflections of life, and we need to hold on to that to remind ourselves when we're not being our best selves. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. the ostrich, like, you know, throwing, like, putting their head in the sand. Yeah. Like, if they don't see it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Just like with Hollywood with happy endings. You know, yeah. when when these movies started reflecting more reality and having these cynical endings and that's, you know, but there's always ebbs and flows with that. You know, Hollywood would come back around with the 80s where 80s was a lot more uh, optimistic and colorful. And um, then the 90s Maybe. came, then the 90s came back and they were like, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get all depressing again. Um, but, well, I would say more, uh, more hybrid. I would say it is a hybrid. There, the there is a bombasticness like about the '90s, but right. but but it also did have a, you know speci- specifically in the music industry a, a more of a introspectiveness to oh, yeah. it. Yeah, uh, where it's about about our feelings and about our uh, insecurities and um, and then 2000s came and we had boy bands and we had. <laughs> now you're just going now. Now, just now, going now we don't. I don't feel. Land. I feel like the 2000s and on, we don't have as much direction in our pop culture anymore. It's just kind of a mi- a mishmash of, of. Well, it changes all the time. It, yeah, it does, but I don't I don't feel like there's a clear identity for, uh, the two thousands and on, because because there's so much of everything out there now, um, you know I don't feel like there's much of a scene anymore. I think the closest we get to that now is in our indie realm, which is typically where it always starts anyway. Like a two four is the most, you know clearly trying to do something different thing in our film industry right now. Um, That's an interesting comparison to the seventies movement. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Just, you know, this idea of um, doing things that are different than the mainstream. Coincidentally, um, the movies that are, that were made by BBS were distributed by like Columbia pictures because yeah. like back then, yeah, um, the way you had to do it is like you, you made them um, and, and then, that you had to get a main like a uh, a distributor. Well, I mean, I mean, distribute them. I, I mean, A two four is partnered up with Apple now. What's crazy is that like A two four is kind of like the new like a new distributor, yeah, if you will. And then like they'll take movies and then they'll just they'll buy the rights to distribute them. Well, a lot, a lot, know, back... a lot of a lot of smaller studios are doing. I mean, like even Blumhouse. Blumhouse right. is making very small movies, but they they've 
partnered up with Universal. Yes. And Universal's putting out these small movies, you know, Invisible Man, which we just recently saw was fantastic. Right. It's going to make a ton of money for a movie yeah, that only costs like $8 million. Economics. Yeah. Yeah. The economics of it make it profitable. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the model that was set up back in the 70s with the independent infiltrating the mainstream is still a model that still exists today. But it's typically it's typically done with a lot less volume now. Like like there's not putting out as many movies from them that from that it, most money is being put into blockbusters still. Oh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a second I thought like but I'm like, I would say there would be more now in terms of volume because there's just more movies being made now than ever well, before. Well, there, there is, maybe technically, but in comparison to larger movies, there's this, these studios are still putting most of their resources into I, yeah, blockbusters. The resources are Because they, they feel yeah. like they're going to get more bang for their buck if they mm. do that, which I think that they need to learn that that's not necessarily the, like, the most, the, the greatest bet. I think it's better right. to spend less on something that's has a possibility to have greater quality. And even if it doesn't end up having big bucks involved, at least you don't lose anything. Cause if you make a movie for $8 million, you're probably going to get that money back at least, you know, most yeah. movies don't go into theaters and don't make less than $8 million. <laughs> unless like, unless they're really unknown or, or like, unless you, unless B-movies. you can't market it in some way, maybe, but yeah, it's, I it's mean, typically not the case. Some of these really the crappy Blumhouse movies, Still make two hundred million dollars. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of genre specific. I mean, there's some genres hit more than others. Like the horror genre is a money making genre. It is booming today. right now. Yeah. yeah, it's booming right now. Even like you said, the, the less quality films will still make, still make the money. Um, I don't know how this is. Tying we, we, into we're getting a little. We, 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 we derived from the, talking about indie, the yeah, indie realm, independent, but, independent. But, but but you know, getting back on track, five easy pieces. This is like I said, first time I watched it. Fantastic film. Um, definitely if you're into Nicholson, um, go, go back, watch this movie. You get a great performance with probably his, probably best, his first real great performance from him. Oh, most um, definitely. Um, and you know, also of course, um, you know, I need to look, I need to, I need to get the set so I can watch these other, I've seen easy rider. Um, but I'd like to watch some of these other movies in that set. Um, to get a little I bit more. T- edu- I tell you anybody out there who, who wants this set, I highly recommend it. I think the Last Picture Show is one of the best I've heard movies that one's I've really ever good seen. Too. Yeah, yeah. I've ever seen, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, who was around during that era, and he's actually on like a lot of these special features on here. Cool. Well, that uh, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Um, where can we find you, Andrew? You can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can also find this uh, podcast uh, on Facebook. Uh, you know, we'll have links there. Um, Cinema Discovery Project. You can find the audio also on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Please, like I said before, leave us uh, a rating. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. And that will be it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. <laughs>